0: to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. It's the book of Job, in the, of the, in the middle of your Bibles, Job chapter 14, Job chapter 14, and then in a little bit we're going to look over to the book of James because it references the book of Job, and it, uh, James affirms Job's um, message as well as his the message, and the ministry that Job certainly had. It's the one place there in the New Testament that does this. The book of Job is considered one of the oldest books in the Bible. One time, I was, not too long ago, I was talking to a gentleman who was dying of cancer, and he told me that he found the most comfort in the book of Job when he was at the end of life. Because the book of Job addresses deep questions, uh, really difficult questions that we all struggle with at some point in your, li- in your life. This is a message here on what we would consider hardship or suffering, what we're going to be looking at. But a lot of times when we think of suffering, we think of hardships in our life, many times we always think of uh, the external things, such as maybe an accident, uh, health problems, you've had a bad diagnosis, Uh, something has happened, job loss, you've had uh, uh, challenges at, at work, at school. But some of the most painful suffering is actually internal. And what I mean by that is it's your children uh, have rebelled against their parents or their grandparents or they're far from the Lord. They've rejected Christ. You've gone through a divorce. You have experienced uh, just total uh, distance among uh, those whom you love the most. You feel like you don't have close friends. You feel, God, why is my spouse passed away? And you're going through life and you've experienced these great losses. Internal, uh, family, the, the closest things to you, you have experienced those losses. And that is, uh, many times, that's the most painful suffering we deal with. And Job also dealt with that. Before we read this, I want to share with you what Job had. <clears throat> Job had, he went through these two different tests here with the Lord. And these tests here tell us what Job, the extent of his loss. The Bible describes this man as a man of integrity, meaning he was an upright man. His Scripture says in chapter 1 that Job rose early in the morning, and he was so committed to the Lord, he got up in the morning and he prayed for his children. And back in, this is one of the oldest books of the Bible, back 4,000, 5,000 years ago, Job, his message he would actually not just pray, he would offer a burnt offering to the Lord on behalf of his children. He got up early and prayed for his children. What an example for us. And he prayed for his children, offered an offering to the Lord and said, Lord, perhaps my children have sinned. Accept this offering I give on behalf of my children. That is the commitment he had to the Lord. He had seven sons and three daughters. So he had ten children. He was a blessed man, a full house. The Bible says he had 7,000 sheep and goats. He had 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large number of servants. Job was one of the wealthiest mans in the land of Ur. That's in old-time Mesopotamia. That would be in current-day Iraq. Just in the middle of the desert today, the Lord, near the Euphrates River, God had blessed this gentleman. And he undergoes these tests. And these tests came because the, de- the devil wanted to see, can I get this man to sin? And the devil went to the Lord. We know the devil is a fallen angel. and The book of Job tells us so much about, just, about uh, good and evil. The devil is a fallen angel. This happened before the Garden of Eden. His name was Lucifer, according to Isaiah chapter 14. It says pride swelled up in his heart, and he led a rebellion against the Lord because he wanted to be like God. He took one-third of the uh, other angels there, and they rebelled against the Lord. Of course, the Lord won. He sent them down to earth, and they were kicked out of heaven. And then ultimately he created a place, in the New Testament, the word is actually used, "Tartarus," which is actually a dungeon, it's a place for fallen angels which become demons. We use today the word hell, that is what hell is. It is a place actually created for the devil. And they found that they are not there yet, they're here on earth. The devil is not in hell, we were not created for hell, but people who do not know Jesus... Hell is this awaiting place for folks who have rejected the Lord. The demons aren't there yet. Satan's not there yet. But they're going to go there. And for if we don't know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we will go there as well. So what happens is this, this fallen angel named Lucifer comes to the Lord. Somehow he has access to God. He goes up to heaven again. And he appears with the other angels. It's like he snuck in with all the others. And he asked God the question, does Job fear God for nothing? Meaning there's always an incentive. There's always something behind it. And a lot of times for us that incentive is money. There's always an ulterior motive, what we want. And that's what, that's what the devil was prompting. Why, why, why do you go to church? Why do you do the things you do? There, there has to be a real reason. And what we see here in our Bibles is God said, okay, Satan, go ahead and test him. See if you can get this man to fall on his integrity. And the Bible tells us that Job lost all of those things I just listed, gone. He lost it all, just like that. One after another, natural disasters, fires, raiding armies, a whirlwind, tornadoes, just... One after another, he was losing. He lost all his children, all his animals, and all, uh, everything he owned. His house, just gone. He goes from a man of great wealth to a man who's suffering with great loss. And he was grieving over that. And then his wife came to him and said, Job, quit holding on to your integrity. Why why are you doing this? Just curse the Lord and die. It's over. She assumed because you lost these things in life, there's nothing left to live for. But we're reminded, the book of Job is telling us, we live for God. He is who we live for. And that's what Job is teaching us today. Even when we go through great loss and suffering, we don't live for other people. We don't live for things and wealth. It's for the Lord. He is is the author and the ender and who, because of that, of our life, we give our lives to him. So the Bible goes on to tell us that Job looked at his wife and he says, you're speaking like a foolish woman when someone curses the Lord, when someone speaks negatively, uses the Lord's name in vain, folks, we're to call him out. Say, this is, this is foolish talk. You should not speak that way. It breaks the third commandment. This book was written before the third commandment was even given. And, and what happened is Job looks at his wife, and he's, he tells her he understood this principle. And this is an important principle for us. And we can't understand uh, the why. Because when we, 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 we go through these sufferings, these events in our life, we're always asking, God, why? Why is this happening? And I want to tell you, one of the hardest things in life is we will never know why many times. We just don't know. We don't know why. We have to accept that the statement that Job made in Job chapter one, verse twenty one, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. So everything you have comes from God, and then everything you lose, it's taken away from the God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If you have a lot or little, Lord, it does not It's from Him. He takes it away. So when you have your spouse, you are grateful for your spouse. When you have your children and your grandchildren at home, you are grateful. But when they move off, when they go to heaven, you thank the Lord for the time you had them. You have to live in this perspective. God, you brought these people in my life. You brought these things in my life. You brought this season. You brought me to this church in my life. I don't know why, but I'm here. But Lord, I'm thankful because you give, Lord, and you take away. That is the life of Job. It's a mindset that's, it's a complete God-centered mindset. Your job, your, your friends. I mean, you think about your friends over the decades. Sherry and I were actually talking about that yesterday. How we used to, I used to be close to people 15 years ago. Folks, I have no idea where they are in life. No clue. They're just, I mean, I, we used to spend hours and hours each week, lots of time together. And now we don't for some reason. But that was that season I was in. I was close to them. God brought me for some reason, and I, the Lord brought them in my life, and He brought me into their life for that friendship. And you have to look at things through that lens. And that's what Job is teaching, teaching us here. Look, there was a time where Job had a lot. But now he doesn't. But that's not the Lord's fault. And the devil was trying to say, no, Job, it is God's fault. You deserve that family. You deserve those oxen, that wealth, those possessions. You worked with your own hands. And now it's gone. And it's God's fault. That's what Satan was trying to do. I want to tell you, if you find yourself here and you're angry and upset with God over some loss The book of Job is a reminder that it is not God's fault. We can't blame God for what he has taken away. God, God, remember, he gives life. He gave our life. Our life is in his hand. There will come a time he removes that life as well. We're given 70, 80, 90 years on earth. if We live a full life and then it's gone. God takes that away. So that's what we see here, and then he goes undergoes this second test, and Job endured massive physical suffering. He had boils; his skin shriveled up and was burning all the time. Do you know? I think about somebody in church who actually nearly a year ago passed away. His name was Lee Wright. I love Lee. And uh, Betty, uh, his, his widow, uh, faithfully attends here. She's, she's got children in Tennessee and up in northern Kentucky and goes and visits them. But Lee, if you remember, about five or six years ago in our church family, he was diagnosed with shingles. And it never went away. I've actually had shingles before. I actually got it in my eye back about 12 years ago. And it burned for about a week. And... Lee had it in his arm, and he said it felt like his arm was on fire. Just like like a match was just burning his arm all day and night. No relief. He tried it all. Physical therapy, every type of medicine, pain reliever, cream, you you name it. That's what Job was undergoing, but it wasn't just on his arm. He had severe, painful boils. It said from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet, and he burned. He just hurt all the time. And that was his second test. The man was skin and bones, and he was on fire. He had lost everything, yet the Bible tells us he continued to be faithful to the Lord, and he continued to hold his integrity. And folks, that's a reminder for us, that if Job can underdo this test, and Job can still worship the Lord, and it wasn't easy, and Job had the book of Job, 90% of the book is basically this conversation about God, why? And he, these friends come and visit him. They're hard names to pronounce, Elapaz, Bildad, and Zophar. They come and sit down, just in the dirt, because they've lost everything. And they're talking to Job. And they're having this conversation. And they're saying, Job, this had to happen because you have unconfessed sin in your life. There has to be a reason. And Job is like, I have been faithful. There's been nothing in my life. I haven't done anything. And Job's, these so called friends aren't very friendly and helpful. They just go and say, Job, really, the problem with this is it's you. You've you've caused all this. And I only tell you that. That type of thinking permeates many of our thoughts. That's where we believe we, if something bad happens to us, there must be a reason God is punishing us. That's not the gospel. That's not Christianity. We were born into sin, we needed a Savior and a Redeemer. He's the one who saves us, He's the one, Jesus, who redeems us. Even if we, and you can't do it, even if you could do your best to live a perfect life, you would still need a Savior. Because the Bible tells us in the book of Psalms, David cries out, Lord, I was born into iniquity. I was born into sin. The seed of Adam and Eve, the sin just continues on. And that's why we, for us, we have to remember, even when we have not, been living for the lord we have not been faithful lord we have a loving god who his faithfulness bible says never ends he is faithful to to everyone to those who call upon his name and job was teaching us this principle he's saying guys the the lord is still good to me i have not sinned and that's what we're going to pick up we're going to pick up here on job's response so you have your bible job chapter 14 verse 1 And this is Job speaking here. He's replying to one of these friends called Zophar. He says, anyone, these are some deep questions in life. So uh, when you're going through your suffering and you have these questions about God, these are similar questions that Job has also asked the Lord. Anyone born of a woman is short of days and full of trouble. Folks, that's us. That means if you are born of a woman... I pray most of us are. That means our days are going to be short. That means you're going to die, and you're going to have a lot of trouble in life. That's that's the Bible verse of hope and encouragement right there. So you just go ahead and accept it. He blossoms like a flower, then withers. It's like a flower. You shoot up. There he goes, the flower. So you springtime's going to be here in a few months. The way it's going, it might be here in two weeks. And if spring's going to be here, and you're going to plant your flowers, and then come October, you're saying, I went to Lowe's and spent $125 on these flowers, and now we're pulling them up. They're dead. They're seasonal. They shoot up. They look nice for a few months, and then they wither away. That's the life of a flower. Job is calling it right here. He flees like a shadow and does not last. Do you really take notice of one like this? Meaning, he's saying, folks don't... We might think we're important, but in the scale of human history, folks won't remember us. They say after two generations of most folks' life, you, are, you and I, we will be forgotten about. Can you remember your grandparents' as friends? You remember your grandparents, but other folks around them? Probably, I mean, it's hard. That was two generations ago. Do you really take notice of one like this? Will you bring me into judgment against you? Who can produce something pure from what is impure? No one. Since a person's days are determined, and the number of his months depends on you, God knows our days are determined. There's going to be a time for us when we go to see the Lord. And since you have set limits, he cannot pass. Look away from him and let him rest, that he may enjoy his day like a hired worker. There is hope for a tree. If it is cut down, it will sprout again, and its shoots will not die. If its roots grow old in the ground, and if the stump starts to die in the soil, the scent of water makes it thrive and produce figs like a sapling. But a person dies and fades away. He breathes his last. Where is he? As water disappears from a lake, And a river becomes parched and dry. So people lie down and never, never to rise again. They will not wake up until the heavens are no more. They will not stir from their sleep. If only you would hide me in Sheol. Sheol is the Old Testament word for hell. It's considered in the Old Testament the place of the dead. So what would happen is in the Old Testament... They refer to hell as Sheol. So folks would go, but Sheol would not necessarily mean a place of suffering. It would be where folks go who die, and you're awaiting. If only you would hide me in Sheol, and conceal me until your anger passes. If only you would appoint a time for me, and then remember me. You notice that. Job's saying, God, I know I'm going to die. But Lord, there's something more coming. Remember me when I'm dead. Don't forget about me. When a person dies, will he come back to life? What a foundational... We need to understand how old this book is. This book was written at the time of Abraham, a long, long time ago. That's why we're reading this in January as you're going through Read the Bible Through the Year the chronological Bible, you're reading the book of Job because it's one of the oldest books of the Bible. And this is one of the first places in Scripture we see that question of will he come back to life again? Meaning Job's saying there's something more even after you die. He's planting the idea that soon we're going to be seeing a resurrection. A resurrection is to come for us. That means our souls are eternal. Something lives on, Job is alluding to here. If so, I would wait all the days of my struggle until my relief comes. And folks, when we're going through difficult, dark days, we we hold to that verse, our relief comes. Our relief for us is found in the New Testament in the person of Jesus Christ. Job, at this point, he did not know who Jesus Christ was. This is the Old Testament. He is completely dependent upon the Lord. But he knew there was going to be relief when he passes away, when he goes to Sheol, when he is in the ground. He does not want God to, to forget about him. He says, Lord, remember me. Don't forget what I did. Don't forgive about my service. Lord, I know there's more. He's living for the eternal here. You would call, and I would answer you. You would long for the work of your hands, for then you would count my steps, but would not take note of my sin. God knows every step Job took. He knew he would not count his sin against him. Job was a righteous man, the Bible said. My rebellion would be sealed up in a bag, and you would cover over my iniquity, we see these are seeds that are going to be planted here in our Bible about someone coming in the future who will take all of his sins, put it in a bag, and cover it up. I mean, I'm going to dispose of this. It's like you, it's a, like I'm taking all your sins, I'm putting it in this bag, and then I'm going to go bury it in the ground, and no one will know about it. That's what Job is saying the Lord will do for him. What happens in this story here, these these friends come to Job and they challenge him because they are convinced this man sinned against the Lord. And Job kept saying over and over again, no, I have been faithful to God. And what happened here is later on in this book, the Lord speaks to these friends and then what's really odd, there's actually a mystery friend as well. We start out with three friends, but then there's this other gentleman that shows up named Elihu. He comes. He, it's like he's just there listening to conversation, and he, he jumps in as well towards the end of certain, about chapter 32, 33, and he makes some statements as well and tells Job what he needs to do. So all that's happening here is Job's just living for the Lord, serving the Lord. He's got all these people just telling him, you need to do this. Do that. Do this. And he's like, I'm just a man of integrity. I live for God. Folks, I don't want to live for you. You're wanting me to confess all the sin. You keep blaming it on me, but what did I do? And the Lord looks, and he answers these friends. And he looks at the friends, one of the friends named Elihaz. And he says, Elihaz, says the Lord, Job 42, 7, I am angry with you and your two friends. For you have not spoken the truth about me, as my servant Job has. Don't miss that statement, folks. He says, you have not spoken the truth about me. We have these friends. This is so important for us today in our contemporary culture. These so-called friends over here come to Job and give him some advice on God. And the advice was a lie. And God interrupts this in Job 42.7 and says, "Elihaz, you showed up to Job and you gave him some advice. You told him a bunch of words about me, and they weren't truthful. I believe we are surrounded by people like Elihaz for us today. People who are talking about God, but they're not speaking truthful about God. And what's so important for us is to make sure that we actually, are we listening to God or are we listening to these friends who are surrounding us talking about God? What's amazing about this story, God busts in the conversation there at the end of this book and he, he reprimands the friends saying, you didn't speak truthful. That is what the Lord found most offensive in the conversation. Untruth was spoken about, the God, about our God. One of the great things about our Lord is he is a God of truth. When the, the Lord speaks, it comes true. When we speak of the truth, it is, it is a good thing. Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The second way he described himself as the truth, meaning there is truth in the Lord. There is truth in Jesus. And if we aren't careful, we will find ourselves being misled and going down a road of untruth about God. It is all over the place. Folks, if you are on social media, like 99% of the things about God are untruth. Like, it's just, you, it's just not accurate. Unless somebody's writing a Bible verse. People give their opinion and their thoughts and what you need to do. And it's just, it is not biblical truth. We have to make sure, and I think for us, we might not have, we might not have, People show up at our door when we're suffering and going through a hard time, a, a, a difficult season in our life, and start giving us advice for God. i tell you who, what we do, you go to Google and you get a bunch of lies about the Lord. You get, you get fooled. And, there's, and there's, there's information out there, but it's not truthful information. And the Lord intervenes here in Job 42.7, and he reprimands this, this so-called friend and says, these friends aren't speaking truthful, but my servant Job, what he's saying is true. Job's asking some difficult questions about the Lord, but he's right. He has done nothing wrong. He's a man of integrity. What a life to live. Wouldn't you want to live your life saying, I've been a man, I have been a woman of integrity? Meaning from childhood to all the way up to when you're ready to meet the Lord, you have honored the Lord in every area of your life. You haven't been cheating on your taxes. You've been paying your bills. You've honored your word. You do what you say you're going to do. Folks, that's how you build trust. All you have to do to build trust, and we've talked about this before, how to be a truthful, trustworthy person. You just do what you say you're going to do. If you say you're going to be there, then be there. You say you're not coming, then don't go. That's it. That is is how trust is built. So what do we learn here from this book? We're going to see what we learn here. Then we're going to flip over. And and it's important to look at the book of James because the book of Job is referenced one time in the New Testament. In fact, go ahead and turn your Bibles to the book of James. James chapter 5. I want you to see this because this is the one reference to Job here in the New Testament. James chapter 5 Verses 10 and 11. The book of Job is one that teaches us about patience and endurance. And endurance and patience are attributes that we might overlook. Because we can become very restless and uh, uh, un- uh, just unfulfilled in our life. Sherry and I were talking about, um, uh, I guess this week we had like deep conversations. That's very rare, but... We we're talking about folks we know that have dropped out of church over the years, and it's sad It's sad to see somebody who, at one point in your life, that's so faithful to the Lord, but for whatever reason. And do you know the one example, the one instance in all the examples we found of people who've dropped out of church? Their excuse and I use the word "excuse, because it is excuse they had a bad experience with someone else, like someone in the church did something. Lied, beat them up, uh, dishonest, cheated them, something, gossip. You just fill in the blank. Something happened. They had this so-called bad experience with somebody, and now they're sitting at home. They're not here on Sunday, and they'll tell you about that bad experience over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Folks, Job had a bad experience with his three friends. This is what you call a story of bad experiences. His friends don't speak truthful about God. This was something that bad that happened to Job, but Job did not change his commitment to the Lord based on his bad experiences with God. Folks, if you know of someone who is who is not faithful anymore, who's not committed to the Lord. Because they had some experience someone said or did something hurtful to them. And now they're on the sidelines. That, is a, that was a shallow commitment they had. That is a weak faith. Or possibly that was no faith even. Because Job is our example. He has an unfettered commitment. Despite all of the hardship, all of the loss, all of the suffering, and now all the lies and the untruth from his three friends. And the Lord rebukes his friends. Look what Job, look what is uh, spoken about. James chapter 5, verse 10. Look what God's word says. Brothers and sisters, this is our one example of Job in the New Testament. Take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name. As an example of suffering and patience. That means if you were a prophet in the Bible, it's going to, it was hard. It was, not a, it was not a privileged calling. You suffered. See, we count as blessed those who have endured. What that means is endured. These are people who stay committed to the Lord despite challenging things and events and circumstances that have happened in their life. And I going to tell you, all of this, no folks, who no longer follow the Lord in their old age because something has happened and they have not endured. It is actually blessed. Verse 11 tells us we are blessed to be here in church when you're in your 80s or 90s still worshiping and serving the Lord. That's endurance. And all of us here could go around this sanctuary naming probably thousands of bad experiences you've had with other Christians. It's just going to happen. You've had friends like Job's friends. But we are blessed because of our endurance. That's what God calls us to. And he uses James, the one example. Look at his example in verse 11. Here's the example of the man who endured and who was blessed. You have heard of Job's endurance and have seen the outcome that the Lord brought about. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. Job is our example. Job is the one we look to when we are struggling with God. Why? I feel I've been lied to. I've dealt with these untruths. I have been wronged. I've been hurt. I've endured hardship and suffering. Yet, I am going to identify with Job and his endurance. The Bible says Job was a man of integrity and God restored him at the end. The Bible tells us he received twice as much. He had 14,000 sheep and goats. He had 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. Now, he did not double his children. He still received seven new sons and three new daughters. But don't miss this about Job. It says there in chapter 42 that Job received. Prayed for his friends. The ones who came and lied. The ones who came to deceive. The ones who came to blame Job. What does Job do? Job's a man of prayer. He's praying for the people who are lying to him. This is a man of endurance. Even when he was wrong, he went to the Lord and prayed for for these friends. Even when they spoke lies to Him, He prayed for them. What an example for us this morning. If you are struggling, God's calling us to prayer. What do we end on this morning? What do we learn from this book? God is sovereign. He is over everything. He is the creator, and not only that, He is the sustainer of this universe. And that includes all of our lives. God creates us, He sustains us, and He also ends us when we end. We're in God's hands. That's what it means to be sovereign Job is what we call a wisdom book. Do you know all wisdom? It's found in God. That's where we find wisdom at. You want to get wise this morning? You turn to God's Word. That's why we as a church family are reading through our Bibles this year because it's the wisdom book. There's a lot of stuff out there to read. But the best thing for us to know is books of the Bible, books such as Job. Now that Job, look at this. This is for us today. Job suffered. And folks, it was hard. There's a lot of folks that we know they are in pain this morning. It's genuine, real suffering. When Lee Wright would sit there and I'd look at him in the middle aisle, that man was sitting there, I'd watch him prop his arm up and just put it on the pew because I knew it's on fire. He's at church and his arm's on fire. Shingles never went away. Some of you were here this morning and you were suffering. And we, when we see that suffering, we see that pain, we realize this is real. I'll tell you right now, I was on the phone. Sonny Cloyd is back in the hospital at Baptist Health. He is suffering. He was just there 11 days ago. I was talking to Sandy on the phone last night. Back in, back in Baptist Health. And the pain is real of what he's going through. He gets well at the hospital, comes home for a week, goes back to the hospital, gets well. It's just this cycle he's in right now. He's in that season. And they're, 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 they're in a time of hardship. Job here, he is our New Testament example of one who endured despite his suffering. And I think for us, what we want to take away from this book and how we want to apply this to our life, folks, we don't want to be people who go around whining and complaining and blaming God and blaming circumstances in our life for these things. Job asked many hard questions to the Lord. Lord, what's going to happen after I die? Lord, don't forget about me. Lord, why is this occurring? But he never blamed anyone he didn't blame himself and he certainly didn't blame God he didn't even blame his wife who looked at him and said Job just curse God and go die it's just time for you to end it all right now to me we look at this man he offers us an example of how we need to live our lives and if you know of someone who is suffering and who's in pain the book of Job is one of great comfort We take this book, what God gave us, one of the oldest books, and we cling to it knowing that question that was asked. Will anyone live again? Is there hope after death? And for us today, now we're on the other side of the New Testament. The New Testament has been written and given to us. We know that hope is found in Jesus Christ. This morning, if you are looking for hope, if you are here suffering, if you are in pain, If you're looking for more, that more is found in our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite you to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. We as Christians, we call and cry out to our Lord. We never waver. We are committed, just like Job was. We are committed to Jesus Christ. We're going to stand together. I'm going to invite David Dale to come forward. We're going to have our invitation. We're going to respond to God. If you want to get saved and give your life to the Lord this morning, we have our invitation. I stand down front. You walk down forward, take my hand. We also have our deacons up here. They'll be receiving you as well. We're going to stand and sing. This is your time also. Some of you need to join our church. As you know, we are a Bible-believing church. This needs, Broadway needs to be your church home. Now is your time to make that decision. We're going to sing, Have You Been to Calvary? It's hymn number 256 in your songbook. I'll be standing up front. David and Miss is going to lead us in our song.